crisis. Nothing personal. Word of the day. Wednesday, June 16th, 2021 is crisis. I do not use that word lightly. My generation, the first thing you think of when you hear crisis is the Cuban Missile Crisis. I don't think I was even alive for that. Or if I was, I was super, super young. But crisis is a word that is meant to imply to you, the listener, or to anyone who hears it, that we have a situation that is untenable, but that is coming to a head in the short term. It's hard to say you have a crisis that's a 40-year issue. Now, there are people who use crisis incorrectly. Sea level crisis. We have a global warming crisis. There's no question we could have those things, raising sea levels in Florida, global warming. We've got an ocean junk situation, but a crisis means that you better have been working on this before the crisis started. You should have been able to see the crisis coming and have a plan to deal with the crisis. An acute crisis, you can't pre-plan for, an acute crisis is when your child bangs his or her or their head against a windowsill, blood rushing everywhere. We got a crisis, we're gonna handle it right now, we're going to urgent care or the emergency room. So you can have that sort of acute crisis. But another type of crisis is the crisis I'm talking about today. It's the type of crisis that you can tell is coming, it's going to be a crisis, you could have dealt with it before it became a crisis, but now that it is a crisis, you're playing from behind. And when you play from behind in a crisis, the problem you have is that you make bad decisions all because you're sticking fingers in the dam that's leaking. It's like whack-a-mole. You ever play that game? Coke, do you have any idea what that game is? Whack-a-mole is when you take a, it's like a carnival game, which I used to love, spend 50 bucks to win a $2 huge stuffed animal that doesn't fit in the car, so you leave it in the parking lot. It's when you take a hammer and these little beavers come up out of a hole and you hit them down and then another one comes up, although it's called whack-a-mole. So is it a mole? I don't know what a mole is. I associate moles with things on my arm or leg or back, but maybe a mole is a type of animal. So you're just putting out fires left and right. Running a baseball team can sometimes feel like you're in crisis mode at all times, but that's actually just running a business where things come up. Do you remember the mailbag episode when I talked about the list that I carry around, the list of short-term, medium-term, and long-term items, and I have to finish all short-term items before I can go to bed, and I try to work on a few mid-term items, maybe a long-term item, but eventually the long-term items become mid-term, the mid-term items become short-term, and that's how things get done. I know you all did that in school, that's what you do. Hey, you got a research paper. I want you all to know I loved when teachers did this. <laughs> Day one of class, we'll have an end of term paper of 20 pages on a topic of your choice. Okay, that's gonna go on the long-term list. But we've got a test coming up in three days. That's midterm. And for tomorrow, we have a quiz on chapters two through four. That's short-term, you gotta do that. You gotta do that reading that day. So once you figure out where you are on the spectrum of the event, you then figure out how you spend your time. What happens when you've got a long-term situation, you don't deal with it. It goes into your midterm list, you don't deal with it. It goes into your short-term list and you look at it 
You don't know how to deal with it. You procrastinate a little more. You got the paper due. You take some no-dos, some Mountain Dew, some Jolt, and you stay up all night. And then you say to yourself, how could I write a good paper when I only had one night to do it? We're all, we've all been there, right? <laughs> I hope so, because I've been there practically my entire academic and professional career. Baseball has a full-fledged crisis as it relates to these foreign substances. They're not foreign. I don't know why we're calling them foreign substances. I feel like it's almost like calling it the China flu or the Wuhan flu, the COVID-19 pandemic. It's not foreign or domestic. It's sticky substances that are being used to give pitchers an advantage. So why do I say that it's a crisis? because I've been out of the game since 2017, got into the game in 1999. And when I got into the game, pitchers were already using substances all over their bodies. It continued to be used. The years went on. No one really said a word because the hitters were matching that with steroids. Put whatever you want on the ball. I'm putting whatever I want in my body and let's see who wins the gladiator match. Baseball decided to crack down on steroids because word got out that too many people were using it, too many injuries, too many kids, and too many kids were having health hazards. Oh, by the way, they're illegal. Don't forget that little nugget as we get into the discussion on spider tack and rosin and sunscreen. I don't mean against the rules type of illegal. I'm talking handcuff, soap on a rope type of illegal. So Congress gets involved. Yada, yada, as would be said in Seinfeld, steroids are outlawed again in baseball. The rules are enforced and drug testing starts. Does it get rid of all steroids, all performance enhancing drugs? Absolutely not. But what do people do when you take away one way that they have to do their job better? And they know the better they do their job, the more they get paid. By definition, they look for the next thing to help them get better and do better and make more money. It's like always staying one step ahead of the law, one step ahead of the testing if you're trying to get around testing, one step ahead of uh, uh, counterfeit currency. The U.S. Treasury always seems to be one step behind counterfeiters, or so I see on good girls. So in baseball... Once they found testing for steroids for certain anabolic, metabolic steroids, no problem. We'll figure out other ways. We'll do our best. Once we outlawed greenies like amphetamines, you look for other ways to get your heart rate up, to get your adrenaline going. Baseball morphed that into Adderall and Ritalin exceptions for players because that had the same impact. All right. So we know exactly how things work. When you can't do what you used to do, you find something new to do. So then let's go to the pitcher side. Pitchers are using these substances. Some of them are working for the pitchers. Some of them are not. Keep in mind when you use spider tack or which is a sticky, like a, a substance that gives you grip and gives your pitch more spin, as we've been talking about now for a few days, because this story just keeps, it keeps growing. Hence the word of the day, crisis, by the way. Spoiler alert, I'm going to get there. 
So pitchers have always been using it. Then MLB looks around. They talk to some of their constituents. And they say, we need some help here because we're not happy with the game. We hired uh, Toby Epstein. That's not his name. Why is that in my head? Theo Epstein. And we are going to fix what ails baseball. What fix, what needs fixing right now are the substances. We got to get rid of them. Are we in a crisis? 10 years ago, in 2011, there were conversations in baseball about what was happening with offense. Nine years ago, long-term. Eight years ago, should we do anything? Still long-term. Seven years ago, not getting better. Six years ago, we're doing new TV deals, we're okay. Five years ago, wow, I can't believe some of these pitchers who are just coming up. Josh Hader, that stuff is, I've never seen anything like that. Too many times I was in a clubhouse where a hitter would come to me and say, I do not understand how that guy is throwing 98 with that type of movement. Or pitchers would come up to me and say, did you see how nasty? I, I can't even fathom getting that type of life on my fastball. Four years ago, three, two, uh-oh. I think we should do something. All right, one year ago. We're gonna bring in Theo, we're gonna take a look. They've been looking for five years. We're looking at different rule changes. We're gonna make the bases bigger. We're gonna move back the mounds. Pitch clock, robo-ups. All right. A lot of discussion about old time baseball, old school baseball, but foreign substances, sticky substances, and then it happened. All of a sudden, you had position players saying out loud, out loud, it's gone too far. Normally MLB wouldn't have cared about that. They would have been happy when position players are fighting with pitchers, especially with the collective bargaining agreement coming up. Divide and conquer. Except something happened in the interim that made baseball say to themselves, if we are ever in a position where the competitive integrity of our game is in question, if we're ever in a position where the word C-H-E-A-T-I-N-G is thrown about, we're gonna do better than we did with the Astros and the sign stealing. Sign stealing is the perfect example of what I'm talking about. It wasn't a crisis until it became a crisis. And then what MLB did is they came down on the Astros not on the players, but what they did do is they did an evaluation and then an investigation and then several rule changes. The rule changes are that there's no more video room. There's no more going to the video room. There's people now who work for MLB who are around the dugouts who are listening for things. It's as I've always told you, it's like the TSA is what MLB is like. You've got someone who sneaks on a bomb that looks like candy, I can't bring jelly beans on a plane or they all get searched every time. You've got a shoe bomber, you got to take your shoes off. So the substance situation comes to a full head when position players are saying it's too much now. It's cheating. We've gone past rosin, pine tar, and sunscreen. They're using these new technological advances to do things with the ball that makes it so I'm hitting 210. 
So then what does baseball do? Meh. They do an investigation. They study it. That's what they always say. We're going to put together a group of people. We're going to hire Theo simply because he got fired, which he didn't from the Cubs. We're going to bring him in and we're going to put him in charge. We're going to have conversations. We're going to have a committee. Baseball likes committees. And we're going to put old-time executives, new executives, a couple owners, a couple presidents, and we're going to come with suggestions to the executive council who will then bring them to the plain rules committee, who will bring them to the ownership committee, the full owners. Okay. It's a good plan. We're not in crisis yet. We've got another entire situation going on in baseball with injuries that's been studied for two decades, always making owners angry that they're paying players not to play. Big concerns. So they study that. They bring trainers onto a committee, doctors. They're looking at angles of release for pitchers. They're looking at how pitchers prepare, how they ramp up. They're looking at number of pitches thrown and how often they throw. All sorts of studies. No conclusions. Pitchers keep getting injured. Money keeps getting wasted. Finally, the commissioner says, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm in charge of the game because you asked me to be. 23 of you asked me to be. I've already asked all of you what you think the game should look like, and you're not answering. I've asked you whether you think there's not enough offense or too much, whether you think the pitchers are getting hurt too much or not. Some of you are engaged. Some of you are not. Most of you are just worried about your own team, your own finances, and winning World Series. But I am responsible for the game, capital G. Not for your team, for all teams. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take charge. And I'm going to let you know once me and my smart people have come to a decision. And the decision that I'm going to come to is going to be based on several factors. One, we want to get rid of the cheaters. Two, the reason we want to get rid of the cheaters is we don't want anyone talking about any sort of cheating that's gone on in the past, whether it's steroids or sign stealing. We've got to stop the trifecta from occurring. Three, we're going to make it so pitchers are not going to be able to do what they've been able to do, which is going to help hitting, which is going to help offense, which is going to help ratings, which is going to help viewers and viewership, which is going to make networks happy that they're spending what they've already agreed to spend, which will enable them to spend more the next time and the next time and keep that train going. Make no mistake, the national broadcast revenue and the local broadcast revenue for streaming and showing games is everything to the commissioner and to the owners. It is the largest pot of revenue they have. For those of you who think that broadcast partners don't get involved, you're wrong. For those of you who think that broadcast partners don't care, they're wrong. You're wrong. They get involved. They care, and above that, they've got a seat at the table. They've got sway. It gets denied by the commissioner, by the owners. Oh, we don't even think about those things. I've seen it in action. Personally, they get involved. So the commissioner comes up with a plan, and he says, here it is. He comes down from the mountain and says, we are going 
to outlaw all substances. And the owners say, that sounds good. As long as it's equally applied, no pun intended, I'm in, I'm fine. They get together with their PR people, like we talked about yesterday. They do a mini leak, then a bigger leak, then send out the memo. The memo came out yesterday. Is it possible that Rob Manford was not told by Theo what the reaction would be of the players? Is it possible that Theo has been leading this process with reckless disregard, if not indifference, toward what was going on on the player side? Is it possible that they're playing chess and I'm playing checkers because they wanted this reaction from the players? If that's the case, I don't want to play chess. Because all MLB has done has put themselves knee deep in a crisis and the worst possible thing that could have happened the day they sent the memo out to the teams, and of course it got fully leaked, that day, one of the best pitchers in baseball got hurt. That's just a Tuesday. But then he took the microphone. Tyler Glasnow of the Tampa Bay Rays who is, as you know, the best pitcher on that team. They traded away Charlie Morton. They let Morton go. They didn't pick up his option. They traded away Blake Snell to the Padres. They kept Tyler Glasnow. And by the way, having gone to the series last year, they again have the best record in baseball this year as we sit today. I believe that's right, Coca. Tyler Glasnow gets hurt. We're fine. He takes the microphone. Uh Uh-oh. And he says... I just threw 80-something innings, and you just told me I can't use anything. I truly believe 100% that's why I got hurt. MLB can't just tell us to use nothing. That's a crisis, ladies and gentlemen. Tyler Glasnow just acknowledged the substances that he uses. You heard on Nothing Personal that they all use them. He said that he prefers the sunscreen rosin substance combo. Very popular. Has anyone ever wondered why Marlins Park has an entire platter of sunscreen outside the training room? I'm just asking. Anyone? It's got a roof. And there's night games. I'm just spitballing here. But did it not occur to anyone why there was a load of sunscreen that would come in every season, like toilet paper, I digress. So Tyler Glasnow goes public, and that's it. MLB is in full-blown crisis. And here's what they need to do. They need to call the union, and that's the first problem. The first step of my crisis solution consulting company, CSC, is to call the union and say, I've got a question, but it's not going to be Rob. It's not going to be Dan Hallam. It's going to be Theo or Mike Hill calling not Tony Clark, not Mayor, the number two guy, people below. Quick question, guys. Are you telling your players that the lack of using substances is something that is causing them to get hurt? Are you telling your players 
that they should be going public against this video because you've got position players who are going public in favor of these new rules. You've got pitchers who are going public against these rules. And that's making you all look bad and us look bad. So could you scurry around and speak to your union reps and just find out for me whether or not this is a league-wide or team-wide or individual situation? Why is baseball going to do that? And why should they do it? Because they already know the answer to the question. The answer to the question is the players union has not been on top of this at all because the players union is completely disorganized in terms of the issues that matter to all constituents. Constituents in that case are pitchers and position players and they've got two separate agendas. Second step, MLB, Mike Hill and Theo Epstein, don't do a call with managers the way they did, where they tell the managers what's coming and tell the managers to get the pitchers used to not using them. They actually go meet, wait for it. I know this is sacrilege, unheard of, doesn't happen. They go meet themselves with players and they can do it. You can do it on Zoom. You don't even have to go in person. They go meet the teams. They can do it. I've seen it happen. And you say the following. Whether you want to believe it or not, we want the league to grow. We want revenue to grow. Whether you believe you get enough percentage of the revenue growth, you can negotiate that with Dan Helm and Rob Manfred. My job is different, says Mike and says Theo. My job is to make this game more watchable, make this game better, and to make injuries go away to the best that we can. Tell us. Tell us what we can do about the fact that hitters are hitting 230 and that all that's happening are strikeouts, walks, and home runs. Help us. Help us help you. Help me help you, Jerry. Third step. Write another memo. Have another press conference and get rid of these rules. Every single rule that you announced yesterday, get rid of them. Are you following me? Because my first two steps, if they're done correctly and happen at all, you never get to the crisis. You've worked on the long-term and the midterm problem. But now that you didn't do step one, you didn't do step two, there's no communication with the union. There's not proper communication with players in advance directly. Now you're dealing with Tyler Glasnow. Now you're dealing with Trevor Bauer. Now you're dealing with Shane Bieber hurt. Max Scherzer hurt injuries at an all-time high. And you have done nothing to communicate with players in advance. So now we're at the third step where you have no choice. Your hair's on fire. You're taking the no-dose. You're drinking the jolt. And you've got one day to do it. Super League. What do you think of when I say Super League, just out of curiosity? They changed course in 24 hours. Same situation. They didn't do step one and step two. They didn't do enough long-term and midterm, and then they announced it, and then they backtracked in 24 hours. It makes you look terrible, 
totally disorganized, but in a crisis situation, it's a game of adjustments. MLB needs to take the memo that they just released and throw it in the garbage. They need to not have umpires checking pitchers before and after every inning starting June 21st. They need to have pitchers continue to do what pitchers were doing because you cannot, and I'm not a player guy, you know that, but in this case, it is a non-starter. You have to be a player person. You cannot ask a player to change what he has been doing with zero notice or a week or two weeks. I grant you they've been breaking the rules. It's like asking a football player to stop wearing a cup with no notice. You can't do it. And you're risking bodily harm. Do you think MLB will rip up this memo? Do you think MLB will not suspend a pitcher for 10 games? I gave you the wait to see that said they would, and they're going to. Do you think MLB actually cares what Glasnow or Trevor Bauer have to say? Unfortunately, they don't. And the reason I know they don't is I've been in the room where it happens, and I've been one of the people who mocks and laughs when players talk to the media or players say things. We just say, yeah, whatever. But in a crisis situation, you've got to change every way that you have made every decision that led you to that crisis. Even if it was just procrastination that led you there, you've got to change the status quo. I'm looking for that to actually happen. <laughs> no, I'm not. MLB is so dug in on foreign substances and on getting the offense better and thinking that this is the way it's going to work. They're so dug in on not believing players that they actually need the foreign substances so they don't get hurt. They don't buy any of it, but they should. Don't you look at all the injuries that have just happened? More than ever. We predicted injuries would happen at a rate that was unheard of because when you have a 60 game season with starting and stopping spring training, like what happened in COVID to go back to a spring training, then 162 games, it's just impossible for players to do. Tyler Glasnow is in trouble. He really is. He's got a partially torn UCL. It's too bad too. He's so much fun to watch. The Tampa Bay Rays are treating that conservatively. They're going to let him rehab and hope that he's Masahiro Tanaka, one of the few pitchers with the partially torn UCL that didn't need Tommy John. My experience tells me when you have a forearm strain, a flexor strain, a partially torn UCL, 100% of the time, Tanaka outlier, so I guess I have to say 99.6% of the time, you're getting Tommy John. So why are the Tampa Rays and Glasnow both agreeing to treat that injury conservatively? Because they've got time on their side for the moment. Let's say it's a 12 to 14 month recovery. We're now in June. If you have the surgery now, you're back by next August, next September. Nah, you're really missing the whole season anyway. So you might as well wait four weeks, six weeks, because that's how we would operate. We do the math. What's the last possible day that we can have our pitcher get Tommy John where he will be able to come back 
in time for either the next season or the beginning of the season after that. So if I want Tyler Glasnow to be ready to go, no questions asked in February of 2023, because that's what we're talking about. He can have Tommy John call it in November of 21. You see that math? You see where I'm going? So they've got enough months right now because it's only June to see if this conservative treatment can work. They're not going to hold on forever because they can't afford to and the math doesn't work that way. But that's why they're being treated conservatively. I got to wait to see for you. And I'm sorry, Tyler, but we have wait to sees where we say something's going to happen. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Tyler Glasnow is going to have Tommy John surgery. It's practically a slam dunk, and it makes me sad because watching him pitch makes me happy. Wait to see. Okay, when we come back, we're going to review season two of Lupin, and then we are going to talk about something that happened in the NBA last night that made me smile. We'll be right back here on Nothing Personal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David. Thank you so much for rating, reviewing, following, subscribing, telling your friends about us. We're growing and let's keep going. It's fun to keep going. So I read with great interest in the NBA yesterday and I do want to talk eventually. I don't know if it'll be today, but at some point we have to talk about Kevin Durant last night. 49 points, 48 minutes. I just, that's called a championship winning player. Oh, I forgot to do my, (laughs) sorry, Coca. We're live. I like being live. All these other podcasts I go on, they're all edited. I mean, that means the producer has to work extra hard. But with Coca, we do our work before taping starts. And then after we just start working on the next show and he goes through and releases clips and posts it and does what he does. But we do a ton of work pre-show and then we just let it fly for 45 minutes. And you'd think on the 390th episode, I would know that after the break is the review, but my eyes went a different direction. So I watch a movie every day or TV series. Season two of Lupin came out. It's in French. Lupin is how to say it. It stars Omar Sy, the guy who was in The Untouchables. And I reviewed season one quite a while ago. It is about a man who is, uh, it's almost a little like now you see me. He just does magic. He finds his way out of every sticky situation. He doesn't use violence. He's definitely a criminal because he steals stuff, but he also does it in a way that isn't going to hurt anyone. It's sort of like the Thomas Crown Affair, 
where you can somehow steal paintings and put them back and look at them. And you're always a step ahead of the police. That's what Lupin is. Season two came out, five episodes, 45 minutes each. Watch them all straight in a row. I couldn't stop. Season two was better than season one. That doesn't happen all the time. If you have a chance, just check it out. I know that subtitles can bother you sometimes, but do me a favor. You will not regret it. It's on Netflix, L-U-P-I-N. Thank you. All right, NBA. Did you watch Kevin Durant? play those 48 minutes with James Harden who could barely play and they beat the Bucks by six, I think. Scored 49 points. He's just good. I was thinking about him because the NBA has a very interesting system to me where players are eligible to make a certain amount of money based on where they play and how long they've played there. It's not that you make more money if you were in New York or LA versus Milwaukee. It's how many years you've played there, where you are in your career. But then there's another another little nugget that is very strange to me. And that nugget is that players who are named to the all NBA team have the ability to actually make more money. In baseball, it doesn't work that way. You could put incentives in a contract and we do it like 25 grand or 50 grand if you're elected to the all-star game or selected to the all-star game. We always put more money. Here's a little nugget for you, Coca. We would always pay players more to be elected versus selected. Why would I rather have a player elected? Because that's a fan vote. That means the Marlins are popular, a player is popular, and that is helpful to our team from a revenue standpoint always gave players bonuses in their contract for World Series MVP, League Championship Series MVP, did something a little differently, offered way more money for those than for regular league MVP or Cy Young. Why do you think that is? Because if you win the World Series MVP, by definition, we've won the World Series. So we would offer players in a long-term deal, like a million dollars, maybe more to win the World Series MVP, because we know if we win the World Series, we're going to make $50 million in revenue. But for a player who wins a regular MVP or finishes second in the voting or fourth in the voting, that means we've got a great player, but our team could still be crap, in which case we get no benefit by having this player. Like the year Stanton won the MVP, it was great. I was happy for him in 2017. He was the best player in baseball for me certainly in the National League, but that didn't help our team win and it didn't help our gate revenue. But in the NBA, when you are named to an all-NBA team and the all-NBA team is selected by sports writers and broadcasters. So sports writers and broadcasters have a player's fate in their hand because if you are named to an all-NBA first team, second team, third team, that's what they name, So 15 players, you can make all this money. Jason Tatum is an example of a player who did not make an all NBA team. He's a great player for the Celtics, not in the top 15. He is now disqualified from earning an escalator in a contract that would have been $32 million. Joel Embiid 
is another player. He's still in the playoffs, obviously, tied at two with the Phillies. Game five coming up tonight. Named to the second team All-NBA. Do you know that he is now super max eligible? He can sign a four-year, $191 million deal. That wouldn't start till 2023 season, but he's eligible because of and including the fact that he's on the All-NBA team. I find it to be extremely problematic, extremely, because players can be named to the All-NBA team when they're not one of the top 50 play, 15 players in basketball for that particular season because of their name, because of their reputation. Should Kawhi Leonard be on the first team All-NBA team when you play 51 out of 72 games? 51 of 72, do the math, five-sevenths. That would be in baseball, playing 100 games out of 140. Would you agree with that? So out of 160, you're playing 110 games. You're not winning an MVP. You're not one of the top five players in baseball when you're not playing that much. It's just impossible. I'm bothered by it because I don't want players to be remunerated based on relationships with sports writers or broadcasters. You want to use that to get into the Hall of Fame? I'm good. But when it comes to what players are going to get paid, I've got a problem. I didn't have a problem with the nothing personal pick of the day. I mean, we were winning. The Blue Jays were beating the Yankees. All of a sudden, the Yankees come back and beat the Blue Jays last night. We're back to 78 and 59, 19 games over. And the reason I'm pissed off is I don't like losing a game in the late innings in baseball, but I especially don't like it when I pick against the Yankees and they win because all the Yankee fans come out on Twitter and say, phew, thanks for picking against them because every time you pick against them, they win. But I'm not giving up. I'll tell you why. I'm going the Blue Jays again. The Blue Jays are a better team than the Yankees. I'm extremely sorry to say that, but they really are. And tonight, we've got Garrett Cole going for the Yankees. Why is that interesting to me? Because if you listen to the last week of Nothing Personal, Garrett Cole is the poster child for Sticky Substance and Spider Tack. The amount of pressure he has on him is so significant, not because only because the Yankees are only two games over 500, but he is in the starting, really, first two years of a long-term $300 million deal. And if his greatness was based on spider tack, that's no bueno. So I'm going with the Blue Jays over Garrett Cole. I don't think that Garrett Cole without substances, and he's not going to use them tonight, I promise you that. I think he is no match at all for the Blue Jays. So what does that mean for the Yankees? Well, one of you asked me that question. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. We still miss you, Clarence. So you want to talk to Samson. It's from the movie Half-Baked. For all the new listeners on Nothing Personal, thank you. Half-Baked is a movie. It is way better to watch it fully baked, but if you only want to watch it one-eighth baked or not baked at all, that's up to you. But in that movie, there's a character named Samson, and people want to talk to him. Get into my Twitter, David P. Sampson, D-A-V-I-D-P-S-A-M-S-O-N. Hit follow. You're also supposed to hit subscribe on the YouTube channel, Nothing Personal with David Sampson, even if you're not watching. 
because you could watch me right now. You could see that I'm wearing a blue shirt and a blue jacket, holding a pen while playing with a binder clip. And I have got a bracelet that I play with during the show too. And I also keep a yarmulke for my son's bar mitzvah. That's all that's in front of me right now. I, I swear to God, it's true. Oh, sorry. I'm going to show you everything right now. I've got a handkerchief in case I start sweating. I've got reading glasses right here in case I can't read what Coke is writing on the document. And I've got a bottle of water in case I start coughing up a lung. And then a notebook, which has some notes on it, including what time the show started and what time the show ends. That's true. That's what's in front. Oh, sorry. One more thing. A mouse. So you want to talk to Samson, get on Twitter, ask a question. And your question was, as president of a major league baseball team, did you tell your GM what to say to the media when your team was struggling? Thank you for asking that. I love that you did. I spent every day with our GM and with our president of baseball operations. Watched every game. Went to 160 out of 162. Well, went to average all 81 home games, approximately half the road games. So I would attend 120 of the games, sometimes more. That would be a minimum. And then on top of that, I would watch 162. There's no question about it. Even wherever I'm traveling, middle of the night, doesn't matter. I am watching. Back in the start of my career, I had to watch. Does anyone remember? There used to be little pagers that had little um, computer uh, dashes and slashes that represented runners that were on base and there'd be the number of the person at bat. And then when a ball or a strike came, because there was no MLB.com or MLB TV, it just didn't exist. I don't know why that was in my head, but I would sit there in the middle of the night if I were overseas and I would watch every Expos game at that time. So I'm sitting and I'm talking to the GM and every day we're talking about status of the team, both on a long-term basis, on a midterm basis, and on an acute short-term basis. What's going on tonight? What do we have to do for tomorrow's game? What's going on with any injuries? What's going on with any pitchers that need to come up, players that need to be sent down? How is our bullpen for the next day? We're going through all of these issues at all times during a game. We know very well, if you're the Yankees, that Brian Cashman has been the general manager there the entire 2000s. Just put that sort of in your cap and longer. But since before 2000, we're now in 2021. That's how long Cashman's been there. Cashman's won championships, a lot of them. What's he at, Coca? Five? He definitely won in 98, 99, 2000. I believe he then won 2009. I think maybe one in between. He lost in 03. He lost in 01. I don't know how many rings Brian Cashman has, but I want to say he's got five. Could be four. Coca will be able to figure that out very, very quickly if he so chooses. He's got four. Thank you, Coca. So I'm right. 98, 99, 2000, 2009. Is that it? That's relatively interesting. But if that is correct, I don't know why that'd be in my head. That's actually sort of weird and freaky that I would know that when I can't remember so many other things that I should be remembering. So Cashman has had an opportunity to see it all. He's seen the top of the mountain and he's seen teams that have underperformed. When he meets the media, everyone pays very close attention. And he met the media yesterday and said things that made me smile. Quote, when talked, talking about Aaron Boone, he said, we made this bed and we're gonna sleep in it. We are in this together. 
I promise you and I promise our fan base we're going to do everything in our power to right the ship. Don't you love it when we speak? It's so idiotic. When I'm in baseball and I say these things, I actually have convinced myself that when you read them and you see the headline and read the quote that you're thinking, wow, that Samson guy, pretty smart. Those are pretty good metaphors and analogies. Sometimes even the occasional simile. We're in bed together. I promise you, Aaron Boone is not in bed with Brian Cashman. I guarantee it. We're going to right the ship. The ship's taken on water. But we're going to do what we can. We've been working on it day and night. Just picture them with a pail. I'm picturing them in like a pirate ship. And, and they've got their pail. And they've got their patch on. And they're taking water out of the boat one pail at a time. The reason why this is all in my mind is that I, as the president, would tell the GM, all right, we are close, very close, tomorrow acute, or no chance of firing the manager. That's not coming from Ryan Cashman. That's coming from above. And so I'm communicating with our GM where we are because I don't want to give my manager a vote of confidence and then fire him because I look like an idiot for Brian Cashman to give a vote of confidence to Aaron Boone in almost every other situation, I would say the vote of confidence is the kiss of death and that's the end of Boone. Brian Cashman has been around the block. And what is interesting is that he actually believes that Aaron Boone is okay. He believes he's okay and that they're in buying mode to improve their team for a playoff run, especially now that Glasnow's hurt. I'm sure they think they can catch Boston for sure and catch, catch Tampa no problem. The president of the Yankees should not have allowed Brian Cashman to say those words because one of these days, if the Yankees have a bad July, not only are they not going to add at the deadline, but on top of that, it may come down from the Steinbrenner Mountain that Boone has to be let go during the course of the season, which is something Steinbrenner does not like to do. Unlike his father, Hal Steinbrenner does not like to do it. So Brian Cashman is relying on previous behavior to make these types of comments about Aaron Boone. But it's different now. The Yankees haven't won since 2009. Their payroll continues to increase, though they will not go over the luxury tax threshold, and Hal Steinbrenner will not allow them to. So adding at the deadline, Money is not going to happen. So my answer to your question is, I was shocked that Brian Cashman said those statements. I would not have allowed him to say those statements because I can't guarantee those statements are true. And I want to make sure that Brian Cashman and anyone who works for me has some ounce of credibility. The Yankees have a problem and they better start dealing with it. Unfortunately, for all you Yankee fans, revenue never seems to be the issue. Like with the Knicks, they cannot win and you keep going to the garden. There's enough TV and gate revenue with the Yankees that the incentive to fix everything acutely does not exist. Because it's just business. Sorry, Yankee fans. It's nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, 
but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.